0: It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy everybody and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host Cole Thompson, member of Sports Illustrated's Aggie Maven. So if you want to check out any of that work, the written content, the film content, make sure you go to si.com TAMU and you can follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Aggies SI. It is game week here in the Lone Star State as the number 24 Texas A&M Aggies, that's right, they moved up from last week when they were originally ranked 25, will host the top ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. This week is always kind of a fun week for me because of the profession that I'm in and how I got to this level. As a person who covers Texas A&M, you always want to see your team, the team you cover, be productive and be able to put up points, but at the same time... I am a proud alumni of the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, so this is going to be a very fun week between two teams that I do believe can create havoc, can cause a spark, and could be a very interesting game moving forward. I'm very excited about this team, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the new AP rankings because Texas A&M was originally at 25, and they moved up to number 24. Thanks to key losses in teams such as Washington, UCF, Oklahoma State, and Michigan State. While number 24 is not where AM expected to be, they were originally the only team last week that was a two-loss team inside the AP's top 25. So when you look at that, that really says a ton about what the AP voters are believing in Texas A&M and what they've done. Both losses have come to a pair of former top 10 teams as Auburn is now ranked number 12 following their loss to Florida. And this could be a moment where A&M now picks up the track if they can get a win at Kyle Field against the top ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. So before we go in a little further, this episode is going to feature a little bit about who you got. What that really means is who do you have at each position when you look at these two teams and how the two could possibly match up against each other, position by position, leading to a favor for one program. But before we do that, we're going to start every Monday show recapping what happened in the SEC. Because it's the SEC. It is the conference that most teams are trying to be in. It's the conference that is really setting the tone moving forward for the organization, for the game of college football. So, why don't we get started with that right now. Heading up to Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee, the number 3 Georgia Bulldogs were taking on the Tennessee Volunteers. And to be honest, this Tennessee team looked like they could be that team that everyone imagined them to be, a very solid 8 and 4 program possibly, under the direction of new quarterback Brian Marr. In his first start, the true freshman threw a pair of touchdowns to give Tennessee a 14 to 10 lead going into the second quarter. Then Jake Fromm and the Georgia's wrestling attacks continue to be their X-Factor, collecting 283 yards and a pair of touchdowns on the ground. Bulldogs pull away with the victory 43-14. They will face South Carolina at home next week. Moving over to the Bayou in Baton Rouge, the number 5 LSU Tigers were taking on the Utah State Aggies. And Joe Burrow is continuing to prove that this LSU team Could be a legitimate threat to dethrone Alabama and take over the SEC this season. The Bayou Bengals quarterback finished with 344 passing yards and five touchdowns, while the defense collected a pair of sacks and three interceptions against potential NFL quarterback Jordan Love. LSU will now host number 10 Florida in ESPN's College Game Day next week. Speaking of Florida, we head out to Gainesville where College Game Day was this week, where the number 10 Gators took on the number 7 Auburn Tigers. This was a back-and-forth shootout between both teams throughout the game down in the Swamp. And Kyle Trask ended up actually leaving the game and having to come back, and he would be the main difference maker on offense, throwing for 234 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Meanwhile, true freshman quarterback Bo Nix has struggled once again. He threw for three interceptions and just over 140 yards, but it was thanks to a late 88-yard touchdown run from LaMichael Pirine that the Gators were able to remain undefeated, and they're going to head out to the Bayou next week for another top 10 matchup between these two massive opponents. The next game that we're going to talk about probably isn't going to get enough love, but Missouri was able to claim victory over Troy, but at a major cost potentially for the rest of the season. Kelly Bryant would leave the game early after a gruesome leg injury following a late hit by one of the Trojans. Luckily, the former Clemson signal caller was able to set his new Tiger teams up for a great path to continue to go on to win. He would finish with 221 yards and three touchdowns, and Missouri is now 4-1. and one. They could possibly be the next SEC team to jump into the top 25 if they're able to continue their success, especially over the team we're about to talk about next, Ole Miss. This is a game that Ole Miss and Vanderbilt are two teams that are struggling. They're near the bottom of the SEC pile. but. The Commodores are really, really taking a beating under Derek Mason's direction this season, and he is probably the main coach on the hot seat right now in SEC country. They're now 1-4 on the year, and it really came because of the Rebels' running game. They combined for 413 yards and four touchdowns, and new quarterback John Reese Plumley threw for 99 yards, but he also led the team with over 100 rushing yards and a touchdown. They're going to face off against... Missouri next week, this could be a very great matchup. One of these two teams could really set themselves apart. Maybe it makes a win over Ole Miss better for A&M when the two meet up later this month. But also, several teams were on buys this week. In fact, there were plenty of teams from the SEC who actually missed out on play because of they had this week off. Texas A&M was one, and Alabama was the other. Everyone I think knows that by now. But Mississippi State also had a bye week. Arkansas had a bye week. South Carolina had a bye week, and Kentucky had a bye week. All these teams will be back next week, and there'll be more coverage to speak about when talking about the SEC. Now, Alabama and Texas A&M will probably be the game everyone's going to be talking about outside of LSU and Florida because that is another top 25 matchup. This game will be featured on CBS Sports as the CBS Game of the Week as part of the SEC deal. It will take place at 2.30 at Kyle Field, which could be a major home advantage for a team like Texas A&M. As we mentioned before, they have two losses on the year. They've kind of struggled at times to get the ball rolling. They've struggled early on. And while they've had chances to make comebacks, they haven't been able to fully execute in that. So, this could be the game where Alabama maybe struggles because of its against an opponent who still is productive, but maybe hasn't shown that level yet. And Kyle Field is one of the more difficult places to play inside the SEC. So, That could be a major X factor for Texas A&M. But also, position by position could really decide which way this game goes. And when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to break down every offensive position and every defensive position with who might have the advantage in favor of their team. This is Locked On Aggies with Cole Thompson. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Gentlemen, let's be honest. Talking about erectile dysfunction is not a fun subject. Usually, we'll just brush it off or blame ourselves saying, I lost my mojo, or avoid it altogether with excuses like, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. We know what excuses we each use. But with Roman, we can throw those excuses away because it's easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for your ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you in a free two-day shipping option. The whole process is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com locked for a free visit to get started. Make sure you visit at GetRoman.com locked to get yourself started and feeling better about your ED. Welcome back into Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cole Thompson, back in the driver's seat, and we're breaking down everything you need to know initially on Alabama versus Texas A&M. Now, both these teams were expected to be high contributors in the SEC at the start of the preseason, but for the first time since 1975, Texas A&M, or any team in that matter, is going to face off against the original AP preseason top three teams. And their schedule is only going to get harder with the additions of a top 10 opponent in Auburn and a potential top 10, maybe even top three opponent in LSU at the end of the season. So when you look at these two teams, one team is coming in as a 5-0 and perfect record, especially thanks to their offensive production. We've seen from guys, especially Heisman frontrunner into a of Iloa. Then you have guys such as Najee Harris, then also you have the elite receiving core in Devonta Smith, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen waddle pretty much the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The defense has taken a little bit of a hit since last year. That was due to the number of players they had to go into the NFL draft, but also at the same time, they lost a key contributor up the middle of the field in linebacker Dylan Moses, who tore his ACL at the start of the year. Meanwhile, Texas A&M has shown promise more so on the offensive side of the ball, especially in their own wide receiver core. If Alabama's is the uh, men of the apocalypse, I would say A&M is kind of like maybe the Planeteers from Captain Planet. You need all five to get together, and then when they do, they really can make it a exciting, fun event. And that all starts with Jamon Osmond, Courtney Davis, Cameron Buckley, Kendrick Rogers and true freshman phenom, Anias Smith. So what we're going to do now is we're going to break down offensive players first and who maybe has the advantage going into Saturday's matchup. So let's start off at the quarterback position. Now, both Kellen Mond and Tua are very solid players. They're both entering their second full season as full-time starters. The numbers aren't all there for both. Both have shown promise. Both have shown the ability to be very successful quarterbacks in this league. But one has advanced numbers, especially in one category. So, why don't we break that down? Tucka Bailoa right now has gone 113 out of 148 for 1,718 yards. He has a completion rating of 76.4, 23 touchdowns a QBR rating of 225.1, been sacked six times. The big, big difference between him and Mond, zero interceptions through five games. Kellen Mond has been a serviceable quarterback when you look at his numbers, 117 of 181, uh, 13, 133 passing yards, 64.6 completion rating, 10 touchdowns, been sacked nine times, a QBR of 140.3, Four interceptions. The difference between Tungavailoa and Mon also is their ability to start the game off on the proper note. Tungavailoa has scored early on almost every single drive. Outside of the Duke game, they haven't really missed a beat on the offensive side of the ball. So when you look at Mon, he's overshot his targets three times this year on the opening drive that led to Man punts. That also gave a chance for teams like Clemson and Auburn to take advantage of it, take an early lead, and make A&M have to play back. So for that reason, right now, Tunga Vailoa, not only is he probably the Heisman front runner, or at least a top three, top four person in the Heisman voting. I would give the edge to him, but because of Mon, maybe knows Kyle Field a little bit better. I think it's gonna be a good game. When you look at the numbers last year in his first start, Mond threw one touchdown, but he also threw a pair of interceptions. He also led the league, uh, led the team, in rushing yards with 59 rushing yards on the ground when they had the SEC-leading running back and Travion Williams in the backfield. So his legs might be the difference maker, but at the same time, Tunga can do the exact same thing. Moving on to the running back position. This is a very easy category right now for decision. I mean, it, when you look at it, just plain and simple. Neither running back has been amazing, but at the same time, you look at the running back room in Alabama, and the numbers just match up. Alabama easily takes the advantage over Texas AM. and You have Najee Harris. He's rushed for 337 yards. He's only has one touchdown on the ground. Brian Robinson has two, but he also has 198 yards. Kellen Robinson has... 117 yards, Jerome Ford, 90 yards. Henry Ruggs even has 75 yards on the ground. So those are just numbers that, even though they're not scoring on the ground, they're making plays on the ground. Meanwhile, Isaiah Spiller's leading the way with 255 yards. And then in second place right now in rushing is Ja'Sean Corbin. And he hasn't played since week two. Partially the reason why Spiller is the team leading rusher in yards. He's had two games where he's rushed for over 100 yards in them. And that was against opponents in Lamar and Texas State. Those weren't against these SEC defenses or even a Brent Venerable's defense. This is against lower talent. And he's just made his mark that way. Jacob Cabote is behind Kellen Mond still. Mond has 110 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Cabote only has one touchdown, 110 four yards, and then you have Cordarian Richardson, 34 yards. He's only come in in the fourth quarter. This one goes easily to Alabama. The next one we've already kind of prefaced, but at the same time, let's just look at it. Alabama's wide receiving core is like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You have each player doing something that makes them a dangerous threat. Devonta Smith has the size. He's 31 receptions, 537 yards, 8 touchdowns on the year. He's been, most recently, Tunga Bailoa's favorite target. Jerry Judy is possibly the best wide receiver in football. He was last year. As Braden Mann's coming back as the Ray Guy Award winner, he's coming back as the Fred Bolitnikoff Award winner. 488 yards on 38 catches. He's leading the team in receptions. 6 touchdowns. He's not a burner, but he can beat you with his speed. He might be the most polished route runner out of all of them, and he's done enough work, especially through the air, to be considered possibly the top receiving prospect in 2020's NFL draft. Henry Ruggs is all speed. That's what he does. That's what he's always done. 361 yards, 4 touchdowns, and he's only done it on 17 receptions, so he's averaging 21.2 yards per catch. He's going to be the guy that... you. Tungabailoa is targeting in the middle of the field. He's going to be the guy that's going to break free on big-time plays, and he's going to get in the second and third line of defense for AM to have to cover. And then you have Jalen Waddell, who is the smaller, kind of shiftier guy, probably best in the slot, does a little bit of everything, does a little bit less than what Judy does. But his numbers aren't bad. I mean, he's 12 receptions, 197 yards. He has 16.4 yards per uh, catch. He's still looking for his first touchdown. Maybe this is the game where he gets it. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying it won't. But, you know, when, when you see him, he doesn't beat you because of he's this big, powerful guy. He just has enough speed to get by, and he works his way under, thanks to his size at 5'10", to go ahead and pick up those extra yards. But a wide receiver core might be the second best in the SEC. They really might. I've liked what I've seen from these Aggies receivers. Jamon Osborne has been the go-to target and the most reliable weapon for Kellen Mann this year. 32 catches, 446 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 13.9 yards. But what he's doing is he's being that deep threat downfield, and he's making those acrobatic catches in the middle of the open field that allows him to be the most consistent weapon on offense. So when you have a guy like that, You're going to love having them on your team. Then you go to Kendrick Rogers. That's supposed to be your big red zone receiver. I haven't seen that from him this year. Part of it is due to his injury. He suffered a leg injury during fall camp. He wasn't able to really go that far. But now he's kind of healthy, and he's still taking hits. 200 yards in the year, 17 receptions, 11.8 yards per catch. He's still looking for his first touchdown. I want to see him break out in a game like this. This could be the game, especially in the red zone, that could really help him out. Courtney Davis is a reliable, kind of do-it-all type receiver. He would be the Jerry Judy of this offense. He can play on the outside. He plays on the inside. He's really good after the catch. He's averaging 12.5 yards per catch. Four touchdowns on the year, so he's able to beat guys in separation. He's doing a very fantastic job being that open receiver for this team. And Aeneas Smith is going to be a star. When you are buried down the depth chart like he is, it's hard to be a true Amari Cooper-type player your freshman year. But he's making the most of his targets. 12 receptions, 161 yards, 13.4 yards per catch. And he hasn't really played in every game, but the games he's played in, he's been very productive. You know, the last game against Arkansas in the Southwest Classic... He made a 30-yard catch that was probably about an 8 or 9-yard catch, but he made defenders miss in the open field that allowed him to work upfield and get plays done. But Alabama's receiving core has 23 touchdowns on the year total. I think that they're just a better unit. That's nothing against AM. I think they've done a very good job this year with the work that they've done. But you can't deny what Alabama has done. When you look at the tight end position, these are guys who are definitely... Kind of new on both sides of the ball. Let's start off with AM. Jalen Wadimir is the guy right now who's been taking the majority of the snaps along with Glenn Beal. He's been a mix of a receiving, but more so blocking, trying to get that game going. Six receptions, 56 yards. He does have two touchdowns. Then you look at a guy like Glenn Beal, who's predominantly a blocker. Four, uh, Four catches, 19 yards, 4.8 yards per catch. You look at a team like Alabama and they are kind of in the same boat. Miller Forstinall is their top guy right now in the receiving game. Six catches, 81 yards, two touchdowns, and both of them came in that first game against Duke. Besides that, Major Tennyson, one touchdown, uh, three catches, 21 yards. They're using them as blockers. They're not really playing that way. So because of, I think, that what I've seen more from... Windermere, in the red zone, you give it to A&M on this one. I think you do. Offensive line play, Tunga Bailoa has been sacked six times. Mott has been sacked nine times on the year. But overall, the running game that we've seen from Texas A&M is partially due to the offensive line. There's multiple guys in Alabama who are making plays with their legs. It's a spread-out offense. It's not a limited run game. It's just no running back has turned into that 1,000-yard type rusher. They just have all been consistently good. Because of that, Alabama has a little bit of a lead right now. But because of Kellerman's dual threat ability and what we've seen him be able to do with his legs outside the pocket, I think it somewhat doesn't matter as much where Tunga Vailoa... Continues just to make plays because of the weapons around him. Lockdown Aggies would like to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount up to $100. Remember, that promo code is KICKOFF, and you can receive up to a $100 discount for your next sporting event. That's it for the offensive players when we come back on the final break. We will break down the defensive side of the ball. This is Locked on Aggies with Cole Thompson. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Final segment for Locked on Aggies. Monday show, Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat. Locked on Aggies, part of the Locked on Network. We've broken down the Alabama and AM offensive players. Let's look at the defensive side of the ball and see where each team stacks up. When you look at this AM defensive line, they're probably the best unit. On that defensive side of the ball. And it all starts with Justin Matabuki right up front. He's done a ton of damage for this front seven. He's been the most reliable run stopper for this team. And you look at his total stats and you're thinking maybe a run defender doesn't need to have a lot of tackles. And you'd be kind of right because of he doesn't have that many 15 tackles, but he has two sacks. And he has two pass deflections, and an interception that was caused by Nick Starkle in the Southwest Classic. So he's really done it all. Outside of him, there's still questions around for most of these guys. Michael Clemens has flashed a little bit, 16 total tackles, but he doesn't have a sack. He's not really pressuring the guy. Uh, When you look at other guys, such as Bobby Brown, seven tackles on the year, one pass deflection. When you look at players, as Tyree Wilson, same thing, one sack, seven tackles. There are numbers that can work, and they are numbers that are showing that Mike Eccles' team is looking promising, but they're not in that ballpark area that you kind of want. Meanwhile, when you look at Alabama's defensive line, they've been impressive. Predominantly right at the middle with Raquan Davis. This is a pass rusher that I think a lot of people believed could be a first-round pick, one of the better first-round players, another guy from the Alabama pipeline to the NFL Looking at his numbers, 25 tackles on the year. He's consistently adding pressure up that middle. So I definitely think that he's a guy you got to watch out for. Uh, Fedarius Mathis, another guy, 13 tackles on the year. I think AM maybe has an advantage because of the veteran leadership there, but at the same time, you're going up against an Alabama offensive line. So you're going to have to play lights out. Guys like Bobby Brown and Michael Clemens are going to have to step up and play at Matabuki's level because if not, that's going to lead to more points against the rest of the defense. Also, another big win for AM right now is their veteran leadership in the linebacker position. We talked about earlier how Alabama lost Dylan Moses for the season, and that was going to come back And possibly hurt them. They're playing freshmen at that position right now. And Shane Lee's done pretty well. Alfred Jenny's done pretty well. Three sacks, one one sack for Shane Lee. Christian Harris has 24 tackles on the year. But then you look at AM's guys and you look at Buddy Johnson. He's really stepped up into that leadership role. Mike Elko loves him, he's been nothing short of impressive taking over for veteran talents such as uh, Otera Alaka, such as Tyrell Dodson. So overall, you can't deny what he's done. Anthony Hines, he has 22 tackles on the year. He's played pretty well in coverage. You also have guys in the secondary also playing a mix of that kind of money linebacker position to pair up with these two. So these two combined have gone for a total of nearly 50 tackles, one sack, one pass deflection. Uh, Leon O'Neill's a guy who's played a little bit of everything. So I think right now they kind of split because AM's leadership could help them, especially against that run game. But I also think that Alabama's linebackers are going to be able to add pressure to Mond, which could lead to sacks or turnovers or punts. So I would push it right now. Then, when you look at both these secondaries, they've found success this year, but they've also had some struggles at times. Xavier McKinney, safety for Alabama, is leading the team with 41 tackles. He also has an interception on the year, he has a forced fumble. Then you have a guy such as Trayvon Diggs, 14 tackles on the year, but he's had two interceptions. He's had several pass deflections, and he's made turnovers that have led in favor to Alabama scoring. You also have Patrick Sertain, 19 tackles on the year, three passes, deflections. He has one interception. So it's hard to deny what Alabama's secondary has done. But at the same time, you have to look at what a and secondary has done, and it's hard to ignore the fact that they also are making plays all over the field. Damani Richardson, as a freshman, is third on the team in tackles with 22. And you've a guy like Charles Oliver, who's made plays in coverage, especially on third down. He's broken up several passes, four total passes on the year. Leon O'Neal, 12 tackles. He has an interception. Miles Jones, two interceptions to start the season off, two pass deflections. Played pretty well in coverage overall. And the guy who I'm very, very impressed with, who we may not see play due to injuries, is Ronnie Elam. He has missed the last two games against Auburn and Arkansas for – personal reasons that Coach Fisher has not relied back to the public. So if he doesn't play this week, I think that that gives an edge to Alabama. But if he does play this week, you're going to be able to have four pretty quality guys throughout the secondary making plays and covering these four talented wide receivers. So right now, it's all going to be on what happens with Ronnie Elam. If he plays... This could be the game where Tunga Vailoa takes a hit in the Heisman voting. Maybe he doesn't play up to speed. Maybe he doesn't show the same level that we've seen from him all season. And that could be an X factor in favor of AM. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode of Locked On Aggies. Make sure you check out all of our great content at si.com/tamu to make sure that you see more Texas A&M coverage. You can follow us on Twitter at siaggies. You can also follow the Locked On Podcast Network. That's on lockedonpodcast.com. You can follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I always like responding to people, hearing thoughts, hearing what they believe is the best way to make this show better because this show's all about you guys. Because without you guys, I wouldn't be able to listen. When we come back next episode, we will break down Coach Fisher's press conference that happens Monday, and we will also talk about the top storylines heading into this game. This has been Locked on Aggies with Cole Thompson. We'll see you soon, sports nerds. And remember, gig them!